Welcome back to the A-Suite Podcast. We are UCLA Anderson MBA students bringing you the best insights on industry deep dives, the MBA experience in general, and so much more. Growing up, moving from six different cities in three different countries, and now here at UCLA, we've been absolutely blessed today to speak with Tom Wan. He's a current second-year MBA student here at UCLA Anderson who has successfully transitioned from consulting to the tech industry, most recently working as an intern at Apple. Not only do we get some great insights into Tom's recruitment process and internship experience, but we also get left with a handful of nuggets of wisdom for life in general. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the A-Suite Podcast today. I'm super, super excited to have a special guest here. Um, As you know, I'm your host, John Lee, and today we have an amazing guest. His name is Tom Wan. He's coming from the University of Waterloo all the way here to UCLA Anderson. Uh, Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, John. Really excited to be a part of the podcast today. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to dive into uh, kind of just like learning about you, uh, your experience with tech, and just maybe some nuggets that you can give to us uh, young Anderson amateurs, I guess. <laughs> to start us off, Tom, uh, could you tell us a little bit about like how you got uh, from University of Waterloo all the way over here to UCLA Anderson? What was your thought process on like why you wanted to pursue the MBA? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into my story a little bit. Um, I kind of grew up as a nomad. So from elementary school till college, I actually lived in six different cities in three different countries. And I've always been on the move, essentially. And actually, when I first uh, came into the US, I was in elementary school. I, I am Canadian now, but uh, I actually started out in America at a very young age. And I've always had very fond memories growing up. Uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, wow. I know it's in the, yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It's in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. but um, I I had fond memories. I've always loved the country and I was always looking for an opportunity to come back. Mm. So after I graduated uh, from Waterloo uh, with a math degree, I ended up working in consulting. Mm, And, you know, for consultants who want to pursue a master's degree of any sort, the MBA is the typical track. Mm. Right. So, you know, that's what I opted with because I felt like that was my best shot of getting into a U.S. program. Mm. Why I landed on UCLA was because most of my professional career has been on the East Coast, especially in the Northeast region of North America. And it's really cold up there. So (laughs) very true. uh, Yeah. I figured if I'm trying to make a change, I I try to I wanted to explore the polar opposite end of the spectrum. So L.A. was like the destination that I wanted to be a part of. I've never lived on the West Coast before, and I wanted to experience the culture and the lifestyle differences. And at the same time, UCLA is really good at placement and tech. So mm. all of those things just really made sense for me, and that's why I chose UCLA. Yeah, wow. No, that's awesome. I, I, I can't wait to dive into a little bit more of this. So the first question that kind of comes to mind is the idea, you said you were a nomad. You know, you're always traveling. Yeah. You're, it seems like you're always trying to like uh, challenge yourself with a new environment and figure things out. And like you just mentioned, you spend a lot of time on the East Coast, so you want to try something new, go on the West Coast. I feel like you're very comfortable with uh, this changing dynamic of your environment. And I know a lot of people when they go to MBA school, I'm not from LA, I'm not from California, I'm kind of similar, but there's always been like this challenge of adapting to these new environments. So what, what would you say 
how, how do you adapt to these new environments? And like, what kind of advice would you give to others that are also looking to go elsewhere, looking to go a little bit uh, away from home and trying something new out? Yeah. So for me, this is actually pretty funny because as a kid, I was always the nervous type. I actually oh, really? didn't like to take. I did not yeah. get that. That I didn't yeah. get that from you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why it's weird, right? Because mm. I I was the guy that would like never raise my hand in class, never speak mm. up. I'm always quiet, sitting in a corner. Mm. But my grades are pretty good, mm. and you know I had nice. Asian parents, and, and they were always wondering like, how come my grades weren't like the best mm. and they talked to my teachers and they would always say you know tom's smart and all but he just didn't participate mm. a lot of the times and he was too shy and mm. the teachers knew oftentimes i had the right answer but i was just scared to share for whatever reason mm. so then my parents and my teacher kind of got back to me and said like look i i want you to challenge yourself to just continuously talk in class and mm. to raise your hands whenever possible and, and you know i as a studious kid was like all right let's roll with it let's try so i did that and over the years as i got older i just kind of got used to it and that was kind of like the beginning of how i uh eventually grew out of my shell Mm. and as a result of that I, i became more extroverted and enjoyed taking on risks and adapting to new environments and i think as a byproduct of just moving so many times with my family i just got used to it that's why for me, like my mentality is to always do something different, mm. try something new, because at the end of the day, there's a lot the world has to offer. And if I don't, you know, step outside of my comfort zone, I'm never going to be able to experience that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I love that answer. And I love how, uh, how you turned something that used to be a weakness into like, you know, a really awesome strength that's led you to so many awesome places. Kind of, kind of going off of that, uh, you're saying how, uh, you know, you're always trying to try something new, risks, and uh, there's a lot of uh, innovation that happens in a lot of these tech roles and whatnot. So could you, we're going to transition, but could you talk a little bit about how you landed your uh, summer internship, where that was, what you did, and how your creativity and desire for risk-taking may have played into your actual role when you were on the job? Okay, yeah, absolutely. So this summer, I worked as a product manager at Apple. Mm. I was specifically working on the Apple card team. And (laughs) that was pretty cool because I got to launch a couple of features within the Wallet app, and they are live right now. Uh, So you can actually use the features that I got to work on over the summer. For anyone listening, make sure you use that. You got to use it. This is Tom's heart. This is his blood, sweat, and tears from the summer at work right now. So make sure you go out there and use it. Yeah, I mean, the Apple card is free, so uh, I don't work there anymore, at yeah. least for the time being. But mm-hmm. uh, if anyone is wanting to try out a new uh, card from Apple, feel free to be my guest. <laughs> so, yeah, back, back to the question that you were referring to and mm-hmm. like how it relates to me taking on a risk. Uh, as an ex-consultant, I mm-hmm. felt like if I recruited for consulting again, it, it just wouldn't really give me that breadth of experience that I'm looking for for my MBA program, which Mm. is why I wanted to go for tech. At the same time though, like towards the end of my consulting career, I was involved in a lot of digital implementation projects. So I felt like I had a bunch of transferable skills, Mm. um, which is why I landed for tech in terms of recruitment. After I got to Apple though, uh, I think one of the biggest things that I realized very quickly is that they expected me to really hit the ground running from day one. Mm. I didn't have like a manager that micromanaged me or even provided oversight. It was more so 
uh, I had a list of tasks and deliverables that they gave to me and said like, hey, this is what we want to accomplish at a high level. Feel free to roll with it. Mm. And this is where a lot of the risk taking came into place because the decisions that I made impacted, you know, the engineering team and the software engineers, the designers, um, and all the project managers, because we had to essentially go with what I think made the most sense and build that. And that oftentimes required a lot of, you know, time investment as well as money. Mm. And, and for me, like coming in as a newbie into Apple, (laughs) that, that was a little scary and daunting at first. Mm. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, with my past uh, experience in consulting coupled with my mathematical background in undergrad, I managed to make some like well-informed decisions. Mm. And we ultimately implemented a few features that really made sense for the users of the Apple card. Mm. So I'm happy with where I landed. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that uh, uh, you, you went into this situation, kind of was caught off guard a little bit, but was able to adapt and come out with like a actual implementation of your ideas that's like super cool and super inspiring um going off of this like idea of self-reflection like what other things uh did you realize that you may not have had during that internship or things that you wish you uh want or things that are kind of shaping your second year right things that uh you're trying to improve on as you're recruiting again or hopefully hopefully we're getting return offer would love to hear more of your insight on like what things that you've noticed that you know, I need to work on these things and this is what's going to make me an even stronger candidate than last year. Right. So a couple of things. Um, first of all, given the COVID environment, it was hard to establish a strong network within mm. Apple. I think when you're in a remote setting, it's really hard to make connections. Mm. And that was something that I was really looking forward to uh, at a large tech company, experiencing the campus life mm. and also meeting a lot of people in person to develop those bonds. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really, you know, a, a big chunk of the value that you get out of the MBA program, right? Mm. Being able to explore a new industry and meet a bunch of new people and to connect with them so that they could potentially help you out at some point in your careers in the future. Mm. So that's one part that I wish I had the opportunity to do a little bit more of over mm. the summer. With that being said, I think, you know, Apple was still very supportive in trying to make that happen. Like they connected us with a lot of the other MBA interns. They brought in a lot of keynote speakers. So they certainly helped. But I think without that in-person element, there's always a piece missing. Mm. Um, Another thing I identified throughout this whole experience is that as a product manager, especially at these large tech companies, you really have to have a very solid technical foundation. Mm. And I I felt like I was decent going in to the internship, but after talking to a lot of the other more senior and experienced product managers, I felt like, okay, I'm nowhere near their level of competency (laughs) and technical knowledge. Mm. And, And you know, just to give you some context here, I coded a little bit in undergrad, but I wasn't really a strong engineer in any sense. Mm. Um, that certainly helped in terms of getting the interview and understanding some of the lingo that people used at work. Mm. It definitely wasn't enough in terms of solutioning uh, actual products and designing architecture and mm. figuring all of that out. So um, that's something that I'm probably going to be working on for full-time recruiting. Huh. That's that's very interesting. So like many of our listeners will probably be like MBA prospects. So could you um, could you even dive a little deeper into like technical? Like you clearly said that, you know, it has to do with coding and and that nature. But like how would one uh, work towards uh, as an MBA prospect trying to throw it back 
you know, a couple of years ago. Um, how would you right. have liked to have prepared coming into MBA school? So here's the thing, right? It depends on the type of role and the companies that you're trying to pursue. Mm -hmm. um, with certain large tech companies, especially the FANGs, there's a focus on having some sort of engineering background. Mm -hmm. I think the exception here is Amazon. They don't really care too much if you mm -hmm. have never coded before and don't understand technology. They're mm -hmm. more willing to you know, roll the dice on you. But in general, if you're looking for a product manager or a technical product manager role mm -hmm. of some sorts, it's important to have like a base level understanding of how code works mm -hmm. and as well as a solid understanding of databases. I think mm -hmm. for me, um, I wish I spent more time prior to the MBA learning SQL. Mm. Uh, because during the recruitment process, a lot of companies gave me a bunch of SQL tests and I had to essentially relearn that. Mm. But if you come into the program with a solid foundation, um, that would certainly accelerate your learnings. Mm. Um, some of the other things that I think that are really important are just uh, general technology, such as uh, understanding what an API is mm. uh, and understanding the software development lifecycle. Mm. So these are things that most candidates can uh, you know, look up on the internet if they do their readings in advance, it'll certainly help when they're talking to a lot of the tech companies from recruiting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, thanks for sharing. I'm sure that'll help a lot of a lot of prospects and maybe we'll see them here next year. I would love to hear your highlights and lowlights of the recruitment process that you went through and also yeah. would love to hear your take on the highlights and lowlights of this year as a second year recruiting again. So would love to hear your take on both of those. Okay, I, I think the highlight was certainly the day you get your offer. That's the most, that's the most exciting <laughs> that makes day. Sense. That makes sense, uh, yeah. Uh, of, you know, the entire internship process. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that people are waiting for, especially for, like, folks recruiting for consulting mm. or banking because it's a very structured process mm -hmm. and everyone knows when their offer will arrive. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, the day that's filled with anticipation and anxiety. <laughs> uh, for me... I, Apple wasn't like that, but it was mm. also very exciting because HR emailed me in advance saying they wanted to set up a call and it mm. sounded very positive based oh, on the nice. email. So that was certainly a highlight. I mm. remember that day when I took the call, uh, my roommate was sitting across from me in the living room and he mm. was just like eavesdropping and, and <laughs> he could, he could tell that I got the offer. Yeah. And as soon as I hung up and accepted it, like we just burst it out in joy. So that was really oh, fun. Oh, that's awesome. That, yeah. that was definitely a highlight because at that point onwards, you knew like, okay, the rest of the quarter doesn't really matter as much mm. and we can spend a lot of time, you know, partying and getting to know <laughs> our classmates a little better. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's the highlight in, t in terms of the low light. Uh, maybe I should have started with a low light first. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's going to be a, a huge yeah. dynamic shift about to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So the low light is uh, very different for everybody. I think for mm -hmm. me personally, mm -hmm. it, there was a period of time early in January and February where a lot of my classmates either received their offers already or mm -hmm. were like wrapping up their interviews. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I remember very clearly, I didn't have a single interview yet. Mm -hmm. And mm. I was starting to panic, thinking like, whoa, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with my profile? What's mm. going on? Mm -hmm. that, that was certainly a low light. And, and that, I think, is like a key takeaway for mm. the entire uh, recruitment process in tech is that timelines are very different per mm. company and per role. Uh, so, you know, don't feel too, you know, sad or conflicted because you're not hearing back and your classmates are. At mm. the end of the day, recruitment isn't a race. 
it's really about taking the time to explore what makes the most sense for you and not really worrying about when your opportunity is going to come because it will come i think mm. for the people that have gone through the recruitment process that's gone through the parker process mm. and the and taking the required steps to get your resume your cover letter and your interview skills up to par like mm. you will get the job um and, and oftentimes you know the school reminds you of that but when you're seeing everyone around you succeed and you're still not hearing back that was definitely a low light for me mm. you know ultimately it still worked out but uh <laughs> there was a good two or three weeks where i was kind of down with myself and felt like okay maybe i am not as competitive as i thought i should have been yeah no i i 100 percent feel that and i thank you so much for sharing that transparency of like the genuine nature of how you were feeling because i know for a fact that like my people in our class are definitely feeling that right now especially because some of the timelines like you said are just like a lot earlier that's just how they're built and they're going to get interviews they're going to get uh, offers a lot earlier and i think it's so easy for us as like humans not even just mba students to just like really find the flaws in ourselves and so i really liked uh, your advice on just kind of like you know it's it's not it's not you right like it's it's just the system it's the the process and trusting it and continuing forward and pushing through so to everyone that's listening that might be feeling some some type of way like keep your head up we're all so competitive like we're all great candidates like you're it's gonna work out and that's what i that's at least what i'm telling myself it's gonna work out um yeah so thank you for sharing that that's really cool to hear um you know i know you had a second part yeah i know you had a second part to your question yeah i would love to hear your take on yeah highlights and lowlights for for a second second year year, and maybe it could resonate with some of uh, your peers and whatnot and give us something to look forward to or not to look forward to (laughs) well i i think like the highlights the second year would be really different in a non-covid world Hmm. um Uh, this year is supposed to be the year where a lot of us transition into like leadership roles within the community Mm. at anderson and not having that experience in person, I think, is very detrimental mm-hmm. to what mm-hmm. we were hoping for. So that's certainly a low light. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of us took on leadership roles within the student uh, organization because we felt like this is our opportunity to give back to the first years and to give back to the school. Mm-hmm. And I think in a limited capacity due to COVID, that's mm-hmm. been hard to accomplish for us. So yeah. that that's definitely a low light that we've been experiencing. In terms of highlights, I think really right now so far the major highlight that I can think of is the possibility of still graduating in person. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, mm-hmm. but that's something that I'm certainly looking forward to. I know we're making progress because next quarter for example there's going to be an in-person class for international mm, students right so we're certainly getting there uh fingers crossed for a vaccine sooner yes. than later because yes. we we have a lot of things to look forward to towards the end of graduation we have mm. uh, a vegas party on the way out that's mm. something that i'm hoping to not miss but you know that totally depends on how well the COVID situation fixes itself mm. yeah no i uh well first off i want to address your low light and say to you and also to anyone else that's a second year in leadership positions, like uh, for me personally, and I, I'm pretty sure for a majority, if not all of the first years, like we can't thank you guys enough and uh, for all the work that you guys have been putting in remotely in this new virtual world to like give us some sense of what you guys had when you were first years. It's, it's definitely a huge, huge curve of like, um, 
this this new landscape is just really difficult to deal with, right? And I felt like mm-hmm. I've been able to connect with first years and second years, obviously in a different way and maybe not to scale. But um, in this world, I feel like we're doing things the best that we can. So we thank you all so much for all the time and hard work you guys have put in for these events because it's like, it's a lot and it's it's tough to see the actual fruits of your labor if it's all virtual, right? Like you can't, you can't sit yeah. there and shake someone's hand and say, oh, you know, you're welcome. Like it's, it's so great to have done this for you or what have you. But um, I, I just know that we're all super thankful. So that's, that's on the low light. Um, in regards to the highlight, yeah, super excited to hopefully have some things in person in the future. Really excited for uh, the internationals to come, uh, hopefully in the winter quarter, as long as uh, things stay clean and things stay good. And um, yeah. yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's, in the, that's in the future. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have some more good times. Um, fingers crossed for that. <laughs> fingers crossed for sure. Um, okay, so one thing before I, I wanted to move into, you kind of touched on these, but your pieces of advice and your little nuggets that you've shared already. But one thing before we get into that, I noticed something, yeah. I, I was looking at your resume and I feel like I haven't heard of it. You never really talked about it, but it says here that you're a retired concert pianist. Like, can you, can yeah. you speak a little bit about that and like where that's gone? Are we going to be seeing you uh, playing um, at, at some of these massive places? I, I don't <laughs> even know where to go, but are we going to be seeing more of that come out and seeing your more musical prowess that uh, seems to be a little hidden behind all this tech and consulting? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up in a very traditional Asian family and mm. learning an instrument was essentially mandatory. <laughs> so it was violin yeah, for I picked, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. So I picked up piano at a very young age and mm. I played all the way through high school. And I actually like competed every single year in this local music festival called the Kiwanis Music Festival. And, you know, for, for a time, I was actually like winning prizes every single year and it was definitely my glory days but uh i i think those days are kind of well past now i, I haven't <laughs> really like religiously practiced piano for many many years now mm. when i was younger i had to like sit in front of the keyboard for three to four hours a day mm. practicing the exact same songs yeah. over and over again it, it was certainly tough I, I enjoyed it because i think like that type of training prepared you mentally to face a lot of the hardships that you would encounter later on in your life in terms mm. of school and the career. So it certainly helped develop myself as mm. a person and it built a lot of positive traits and characteristics that mm. I have now. But um, in terms of my actual skill, probably not very good anymore. <laughs> It'll require a little bit of practice to pick up on. And I think as a result of me moving around so much in life, mm. I just hadn't had a chance to really fit a piano anywhere where I live. Mm, so yeah. that's <laughs> another problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one day, you know, eventually when I settle down in a location, I'll probably get back into it mm. by piano again, start practicing and just playing recreationally. Mm. But uh, I, I don't know how, like if there will be an opportunity during my time at Anderson to really showcase any of those skills now. Yeah. I hear there might be a talent show online. Zoom talent show. That might be a thing. So hope to see you there. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah. I have to think about that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for sharing. That's so it's uh, it's always fun hearing, um, you know, 
passions that people used to have or currently have. It's always nice to hear about that. So thanks for sharing that. And um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. I know you've already shared so many great great uh, pieces of advice, but uh, on your way out, like what would you like to say to the first years, and what would you like to say to your fellow second years? Like, what's your piece of advice that you want to leave with them after this podcast? Okay, so for the first years, I think two things to really take away from this conversation here today is that, um, you know, don't feel pressured or anxious based on how your classmates are doing in recruiting, Mm. because it's not a race, it's a personal journey, Mm. right? Everyone's going to have a different process, but at the end of the day, like things will work out for you. Mm. Um, The other piece of advice that I really have for first years is to leverage the second year network as well Mm. as the Anderson alumni community. I think people at Anderson are all very interested in giving back and helping people out. So don't be scared to reach out, especially for the people that recently graduated from Anderson. Mm. Um, They're not too distant from you and they still have fond memories of the experience and they totally understand what you're going through. Mm. So if there are alums that are working in the roles that you're trying to get, uh, by all means, reach out to them. They'll be more than happy to help. Mm. Um, In terms of the second years, I think for us, like, it's been a rough year and a half. People are kind of down right now. And uh, at the end of the day, like, the only thing that we can hope for is for the pandemic to be over sooner (laughs) than later. And and as soon as that's over, I think from the student affairs side as well as, like, the overall school, uh, there will be a lot of positive events to look forward to. Mm. I think everyone's excited at the possibility of having some sort of in-person activity in the near future. Mm. Uh, And that's definitely something that I know, like, because we've had a long hiatus, once all of this is over, Mm. it's going to be a great time. So really, fingers crossed to that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That that light at the end of the tunnel, it really helps, you know, it's something to strive for, something to keep keep my chin up for. So that's awesome. but yeah, Tom, thank you so much. Like I've had such a great time talking with you. I wish we had more time. I uh, really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, your personal, your personal journey, and as yeah. well as like pieces of advice to, to our fellow classmates, as well as prospective students. So thank you so much for your time here. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. Hearing Tom's perspective on recruitment and his personal journey was an absolute joy. I feel more motivated to go out and challenge myself after this episode and hope you do too. Regardless of if it's to continuously step out of your comfort zones or just having faith in the process, we can always grow and focus on our personal journeys. Huge thank you to our guest Tom Juan for coming on and sharing his story and genuine insights with us today. Now, if you enjoyed this episode or if something resonated with you, tell us about it. Send us an email at theasweetpodcast at gmail.com or better yet, leave us a review on your favorite podcast app and tell your friends all about the A-Suite. Thank you to our hosts, John, our executive audio director, Alyssa, and our executive producer, Jody. The last thank you goes out to all of you out there who are listening here today. And we'll see you next time on the A-Suite Podcast. Signing off.